Hi, welcome back to the BU Podcast. My name is Jasmine Knox. I am your host. And today we're talking about resilience with Chuck Dizzle. Chuck Dizzle is an on-air radio host on Homegrown Radio, which airs Monday through Saturday, 7 to 11 p.m. on Real 92.3. And I got to tell you, this guy is such a rare breed and has an amazing soul. Um, I met him back in 2015 when I was interning at the radio station with iHeart. And just straight off, we had a great conversation and he really gave me advice when it came to navigating through this industry. So um, definitely want to talk to you about his story because he has an interesting one. He graduated from college knowing that he wanted to do radio. Then he created his own radio show called Homegrown. And that landed him a full on-air slot right now, running two, three. But it's what he went through in between those times to get there. So he could better tell his story than I can. So let's get into the interview. And of course, don't forget to rate the podcast five stars or subscribe. Thank you. Chuck Dizzle. Host What's going on? <laughs> yes. Jazz, how you living, man? What's going on? Long time no see. I know, man. It's been, I don't know. I feel like I'm, even though we don't work together that much anymore, I'm still close to you. I don't, I don't feel disconnected at all. Nah, we definitely stay connected, but this this whole pandemic, the the not being able to see people for a long time, like I I love interviews. I I've learned to find a way to like Zoom, but I like connecting with people in person. So that's yes. what I'm saying. It's like it's a disconnect in that sense, but yes. we definitely stay connected for sure. I agree with you. I didn't actually didn't really realize how much I love human interaction until the pandemic happened. I think all of us kind of realized like, oh, damn, this is what we're missing when you kind of have that taken out of your life after a long period of time. Nobody thought this was going to last this long. And we obviously had to make adjustments. So I think we're all feeling the kind of the long time, the long term effects of that for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to talk to you, Chuck, and just really have a more like clear understanding of your background and everything that you do, because I think I've told you numerous times, like, I just love your personality your energy like you're just an amazing human being and you do a lot for just not even the culture but just for people in general so um i just want to say thank you first and foremost. I, I appreciate that it <laughs> means a lot and to see you you know we we have a lot of sideline conversations so when you hit me up about this i'm like yes because i oh know i know how much this is your baby and how much this means to you and it means a lot to just to be on your platform and, and have you see see you actually continue to do the thing that you love to do so I, i'm honored you know it was tough you know me. I, I know Woo! It's but, been a road, but nothing nothing what do they say nothing worth having is worth the struggle or something like that. I know I messed it up, but we, we go through struggles all the time. We go through ups and downs. And if, if it was meant for everybody to have certain things, you know, everybody would have it. You have to have some kind of struggle. And we obviously are seeing that you, you've gone through it. So, I mean, that's why I say when, when you hit me up to do this, I'm like, I'm glad that you didn't let that stop you. Whatever the situations were in the past, you, you, you're still making it work out either way. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, Chuck. So I want to know, how did Chuck Dizzle become Chuck Dizzle? Where did the name come from? Oh, God. <laughs> I love telling this story because it's, I feel like the name itself is so, it's so old because, all right, so everybody remembers, or if for, for the people that don't remember, back in like the early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg was like obviously prevalent to the point where everybody was saying sizzle, shizzle for shizzle, my nizzle. He had the lingo. E40 was doing it. Everybody had that lingo back then. So right. my name is Charles, right? People call me Chuck. Last name is Dorsey. 
Um, so in simple terms, I was actually uh, trying to create a profile on Black Planet of all places. <laughs> Black right? Planet. Oh, my God. Black Planet. I'm dating myself, uh -huh. right? So this is right after high school. made a Black Planet account, my first social media account. Uh -huh. And I couldn't think of a name. I'm like, um, Chuck D. Chuck has another Chuck. There's a Chuck D. Obviously, everybody knows Public Enemy, Hip Hop. Everybody knows Chuck D. So I'm like, how am I going to set myself apart from all right, Chuck, then Dizzle, shizzle, shizzle, my nizzle, Dizzle. All right, that's it. And I just literally made a profile that said Chuck Dizzle. Uh -huh. And I've been rolling with Chuck Dizzle ever since. And I, I don't think I knew at the time how long it was going to last, but it just stuck, you know, and I've been rolling with that name ever since. That's so fun. Did, did anyone ever try to, like, make you change your name while you were doing radio? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the homie, uh, <laughs> the big homie AD. My, my, when I was working, um, you know, at, <clears throat> excuse me, I was working for K-Day at the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I sent my air check in, he heard it, I was on the street team at the time. He was like, you're great, this is, this is, sounds amazing. You, I think this, we wanna try to test you out on air, but you gotta change your name. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, at that point I've been going by Dizzle for nine years. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I can't change my, he's like, you wanna be on air? You gotta change your name. And I'm like, oh, it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. But I mean, in that time, I'm like, well, this, what am I going to do? It's an L.A. radio station. Of course right. I'm going to do it. So I changed my name for the time being. Did it for like a good year, maybe at the most. And then when I got let go of that station, I went back to Dizzle. Speaking of K-Day, uh, I know you also have worked at The Beat, too, back in the day. Do you remember, like, what you're listening to or where you were at when you decided I want to be on the radio. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Like I was 10 years old. Like that, it, it dated back then. Like I knew, I always tell the story because I just remember like, I, I can't tell you the date, but I remember this specific time. It was summertime. Me and my sister, I don't know where we were going, but we were driving down the street. We live in Carson. So we were driving down Av Avalon. Anybody knows Carson going down Avalon, you're uh, driving towards um, Delamo. Yes. There's a, there's a, there's a jack-in-the-box on the left-hand side. Like, right when you pass the mall, you're, you're going, I don't know what direction it is. Maybe it's north, I believe. So you're driving north on Avalon. There's a jack-in-the-box on the left-hand side. The mall's on the right-hand side. We were listening to 92.3 The Beat. That was like the soundtrack to my, my childhood listening, right? Oh, like, in the morning, John London at a house party, you know, Theo, uh, middays, and then uh, Julio G at night. Like, we had everything set up, right? right? So, in the morning, John London, the house party's on. We're driving down the street, and as we're listening to the radio station, they happen to send the street team out to that jack-in-the-box off, of, off of Avalon and, and Delamo. Mm -hmm. So, as literally, it was like a sign from God, like, on everything. As we're driving by, the guy, whose name is uh, P-Funk, he used to be the, the morning street guy for John London, the house party. He's on top of the beat van. Like, yo, we out here in Carson uh, at the Jack in the Box. Y'all make some noise. <sighs> I, we, and at the same time as we hear it on the radio, yeah. I'm looking. I'm like, yo, that's them. And at that moment, I, I knew I was like, yo, whatever he's doing, what, I, I want to be a part of that. Right. Always listen to the radio. Always loved it. But just that part of that interaction between the crowd and the people was something mm -hmm. about the syncing between the two. Because radio personalities, you never saw them. You just heard them on the radio. Yep. So for, for me to see that connection, I'm like, yo, that. I, I want to do that. And so, when you know, that, that was my introduction to say, like, okay, I want to do this thing called radio, you know. Uh -huh. So that, that was my introduction back then at 10 years old. I have to agree with you on that. It's something about like that energy, like this, just like the crazy, the 
a drilling rush that yeah. you get. It's that right there. It's, it's something different. And I remember uh, seeing a K-Day booth at the Martin Luther King Parade when I was young. I don't know. I think I was probably like nine or something. I was like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. That's what I want to be. That's exactly where I want to be. I don't know what this is, but it seemed like to be on the radio is fun. Yo, started from that point, I made it, I made it a point. And it, it was different times throughout my childhood, but <clears throat> all through growing, out, growing up, Anytime I knew the beat was going to be somewhere, I tried mm. to make sure I was there. Winning the keychain, getting the poster. I just wanted yeah. to be a part of what was going on. And obviously, for the people that don't know, that that's the street team, the promotions department, which I had an honor to be a part of when I got my internship. You know, it was, it, it was in the promotions department. So it was full circle at that moment. What do you love most about being on air? The connection with the people. I, I think, and, and for me, seeing P-Funk, which is the guy that was on top of the van, that was that was the dope part about it because... He was a reflection of being in the community, but being on air as well. This is somebody I heard on the radio, but also saw in the streets. So mm -hmm. for me, I always made it a point to say, okay, I want to be that same kind of personality. I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's just hidden inside the station. Of course, we got to do work as a radio personality, but I want to be accessible too. And I think right. that's always been a part of my, our, our, our brand with Homegrown is, you know, people see the story, they, they see the journey, but they're also... We're, we're accessible, myself and DJ Head, we're accessible. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I love that the most about it is the connection that you have with the people, being able to see people grow up, like, right? Like seeing kids at, at certain ages and then being able to be a part of their story and them say, yo, I remember listening to you when I was in a, a freshman in high school and now they're graduating. Or yeah. yo, I remember when, when I first started college and now uh, I have kids or like, those type of journey, and this is throughout my whole journey in radio from college to now. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it's just being a part of people's lives and it, it meant so much to me. So for me to now be a part of people's lives, it's like that full circle, that connection. And I, I, I feel like I'm doing what um, God put me here to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, your purpose, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's rewind a little bit. So before you started working at Real 923 currently, you started off on the street team at the beat. beat. Yep. And then, so, so yeah, the, the beat. Okay. So at 10, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. And at, all through growing up, but like when I got to high school, I, you know, I had other things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to want to have my own business. Like these are things that I knew in the back of my mind, like, okay, if radio doesn't work out or if I don't get a chance to pursue that, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go this, this lane. Right. But in, my, in the back of my head, I always had like radio. Like I just, I was always curious. I would always go to the websites and just look on. This is at the time when, when um, radio stations just had webcams. Like right. this is, this is early days of the internet. So it's like, I would <laughs> always find myself on the station website webcam, just seeing what they're doing in the studio. Right. Um, I would always look up on online when I was able to drive got my license, I would look up the addresses of the stations, just drive by just to see if I could see a sign outside that said the beat or, you know, at the time power or whatever. Right. right. And um, so in, in high school, I saw there was a, the beat happened to be at the, uh, there was a black business expo or black college expo that they did every year at the convention center in Los they Angeles. Did. I right? remember that. So they always had the, the Black Business Expo and they always had the Black um, uh, College Expo. Uh -huh. So I made it a point to, to go there. I saw the beat and I'm like, yo, how do I do that? How do I become a part of the radio station? Because <laughs> I see you guys on the street. I'm always tracking you guys down. How do I do it? They're like, you got to get an internship. 
and shouts out to this uh, lady by the name of Erica Dumas. She worked a part of the street team and she worked with the beat at the time. She said, look, uh, you got to do an internship. Take my number. When you get to college, do an internship. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. So I had that number. And um, my first year of college, I, I you know, applied for the, the college radio station at the time. Right. Yeah. right? So I, I applied to get my own show over there. And I was like, I'm a shower, do my thing. Yeah, I'm ready. Because this is in my junior year of high school that I uh-huh. saw them. So senior year, now I'm, in, now I'm in college, right? My first year of college. And I called the number. I'm like, I'm here. I did it. I'm, I'm in college now. I want to do an internship. I'm getting in this thing. I'm getting in this thing. She don't work there no more. And I'm like, oh, so, but I still had the number, had the address. So I was like, okay, let me put a resume together and try to just figure it out. I, I, I put my resume together, walk it up to the station, had no appointment or whatever. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's up. Didn't hear nothing. Did the same thing for power. Went, got my resume, sent it up there. Didn't hear nothing back. Um, and a lady by the name of Monica McGee, she gave me a call and was like, hey, I got your resume. Would you be willing to come down for an interview? I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. The interview. I bombed the interview, just bombed it. I was so nervous that I just didn't know what was going on. I did well talking to her, but then they had another gentleman who, you know, he was the, the head of promotions at the time. Uh-huh. And so I did well with Mariko, me and her chopping it up. And then for some reason, and I'll, I'll be able to get into the story after this, but I just didn't do, I didn't have that chemistry with the dude in there. Just couldn't, couldn't like do did it. He, did you feel kind of intimidated by him? I was him? very intimidated okay. because he was like a child prodigy. The guy that was uh, the, the promotion director after, I'm going to skip into, well, whatever. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me go through it. It's not like you're not telling us the full story, Chuck. I'm, I'm going to tell you the full story, but I, I laugh about this because my wife always go, Tasha always go, gets on me because I, I tell, as great as I am as a radio personality, I'm horrible at telling stories. I always skip around. So bear with me. So bomb the interview. I'm like, I didn't do good. Whatever. I get a call back that later that week. Hey, we want to offer you an internship. Oh my God. Thank you. Cool. Get in. Everything's cool. That's how I get my internship with the beat. Um, and it's with the promotions department. Mm-hmm. I'm to find out. And the reason why I ended up getting hired was because of Mariko. She was like, yo, I, you, you, you were such a charming individual. You, you, you have a great personality. I know you were intimidated when it came to old boy. Old boy ended up being like some dude that had just gotten hired. He was 19 years old, but he seemed like he was super older. But he, he was one of those like, and I, I don't want to rag him. I don't know what he's doing to this day. I have no right. idea. But the personality, everybody got the personality. He was kind of better than other people. He kind of no. like, he was he power hungry. Right. Okay. Got it. Power hungry. So I think he wanted to project that on the people. He ended up being a, he was a cool guy. But I think at that moment, when we first had an interaction, he's like, yo, I'm the, I'm the head honcho. So what's, um, what do you, what do you want to do? Like all that type of stuff. So I just didn't, it didn't meet my energy that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I get the internship with the beat. And that was my foot into the door. And I worked there for three years. Um, did, did an internship for a couple of months, end up getting hired and then worked there at the beat for three years before the station ended up folding, which is a whole different story with radio. That, that's just uh-huh. how it goes, man. It flipped formats for the folks that don't know. It went from hip hop, uh, to, uh, AC format, which is yep. old school. And, you know, they have, they had no room for young upcoming talent at that point. So mm-hmm. I, I worked my way up from street team or intern to on air within two years, which is unheard of. If anybody knows radio, it's just something that just doesn't happen. Worked my ass off, made a lot of great relationships. The station ended up flipping and I was left without a job at that point. So I'm just like, damn, 
um, next pretty much like what do I do from here what's next yeah. so I, I went into hustle mode at that point I'm like okay well I, I have the experience so to speak I was on air for a couple of months and you know it was great let me just take the air checks that I have ship them around see what's going on I went to damn near every station around from here to San Diego all the way up north like I just was shipping I, I, I sent this is before emails. I made radio demos and sent them out to damn near as many stations as I can think of in the country, from Hawaii to Nebraska to Delaware to up were, like. Were you sending out like CDs or were you sending CDs. out like floppy hits? Oh, okay. Come I on, hey, don't play me. All right, I'm old, but damn, <laughs> it wasn't a floppy disk. It was a CD. But it was a CD, but I did follow up with email, like, because that was just the thing at the time or whatever. So I'll put. <laughs> you funny all right um, um but now nah, i put cds together and was, was putting around and only got like one response and drew up drove up north to a station out and like i want to say it was santa maria oh wow right? santa maria they auditioned me the same day literally on air they, they auditioned me for the uh the afternoon drive and they were like oh yeah this is great you sound good we know you're experienced cool we'll give you a call Never heard a call back. <laughs> like, and it was, it got to the point of like, first lines ever. I was like, I hate that. I was like, but well, maybe, I mean, they said I sounded good. I mean, yeah. Never heard anything back. So I was devastated, man. I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm out of a job. Uh, so now, you know, this, this college graduate at the time now, I had to, to face the musical with my mom, like, because she was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to support you, you know, whatever you want to do. But you did that didn't really work out. What do you want to do? Like she didn't really, she didn't really. And that, the thing I love about my mom, she didn't force me to do it. But at that point I was like, damn, you know, living at home at the time, like, it's like, like 25 or something like 26. I'm like, all right, it's, it's time to get the job. Like I got it. And, and mind you, I did have a nine to five. I worked for the city of Carson, which that, that's another part of my journey. They, they've been amazing throughout my whole career because they've been there throughout my times of like just figuring things out. But I was like, now it's time to get a real job. <laughs> Insert <laughs> Enterprise rental car. Start working for Enterprise. And I just, that taught me, that was like the biggest lesson for me because it showed me, oh yeah, this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. Like the money was great, but I, wor I worked my ass off. Like I, we worked like 10 hour days, six days a week. It was just rough. Right. So just to kind of fast forward the story, I worked there for six months and was like, nah, this isn't what I want to do. I still love radio. And this is at the time that K-Day started popping up. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, it's a new radio station in LA. I send my resume, nothing. Ah, oh. one of my friends, shout out to my girl, uh, Didi. She worked and got a job as promotions coordinator at K-Day. And we went to Long Beach State together. So she was like, yo, Chuck, I know you do radio. Like, I, I, what's up? Do you want to, you want a job? I'm like, hell yeah. She was like, I, I, I work a part of the promotion department. So I no, don't know about on air, but at least I can get you in the building. I'm like, yo, run it. So I auditioned, got a job at K-Day. And I was there for a good year and a half before they flipped. So they went from hip hop to like, R&B, hip-hop, and then they changed that. It was a weird, weird yeah, time. Yeah, been through a lot of different... different the weird time, yeah. right? Made a lot of great relationships at the time or whatever, but then that station flipped. The thing that I can say about my time at, at the beat and at K-Day, 
specifically K Day, it allowed me to then when I when I got left go from K Day, it showed me like, okay, you gotta really kick it in the gear with homegrown now. It allowed me the time that I needed to actually fully fledged go into homegrown and do it that way. And same thing with the station I went to Santa Maria. Had I got hired there, homegrown wouldn't be what it is today because I would have been so focused on my job up there. That's so I, I, I look at the journey now as like, oh, okay, all these things happen for a reason. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the early, early journey of college, one station to the next station. And then, you know, us now insert homegrown because I was still low-key doing my college radio show at Long Beach State, like on the side. Mind you, I graduated in 05. Uh-huh. Still had the key card and just didn't give the key card up and just kept showing up every week. <laughs> and no and one they, said anything about this? They never discontinued the key cards. Oh, wow. So it's pretty much destined if you think about it now. Ex- it was destined. It was destined. Yeah. So literally right around the time that they deactivated the key card, they like, hey, Chuck, we know that you have graduated in 05. You can either A, find somebody, another student that is currently enrolled and, you know, they would have to do the show or we're going to have to give up the key. And I had to give up the key at that point. And that's around the same time that I met Head. He was doing radio at Long Beach or Cerritos College. We met through a mutual friend. So we had made a connection. Mm -hmm. We formed a bond and I just moved out to an apartment in Inglewood. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right. If I can figure out how to just do all this at the house, I'll be good. Cause it was college radio was the only advantage was that it was on the station. They had all the equipment, but I'm like, yo, if I can just grab this equipment or figure out something that's close to it and do it from the crib, then I don't need to do K beach anymore. Right. And found a way to work it out, end up doing it and insert, you know, right around the time that K day ended, you know, I was able to do the stuff from the crib as well. So it was like all, around the same time. Like one thing happened after another and it allowed me to, to flourish with Homegrown. Um, and obviously people know the story about Homegrown. We can dive into that for a little bit, but that was all before Real 92.3. Right. And I actually was going to get into Homegrown really right after this. So perfect segue, but uh, congrats on Homegrown. Like it's been over 10 years and you have just created just a huge, huge platform for many, but it's just, oh my gosh. Like, did you know it was going to be a huge success when you created Homegrown? Not, not a clue. Not a clue. Uh, well, not a success. I knew. So when you say success, for me, um, one of the things the homie Punch told me years back from TDE, he was like, define what is your definition of success? Mm. And for me, I define it as doing what I love to do. I didn't have any monetary value attached to it. I was like, yo, if I can make a living just doing what I love to do. And I had to upgrade that after a while. At first, it was just like, I just want to do what I love to do, man. I just And I loved radio. And I loved, specifically with radio, helped, helping to te- tell people's stories. So in the earlier days, that was um, playing upcoming artists, right? But then it just became like, yo, what's your story? Like, who are you? What makes you tick? Like, And that comes a part of the whole psychology degree. I got a, I got a degree in psychology. So I figured out a way to apply that, yeah, from Long Beach State. Like, so all these things kind of like went hand in hand. So for me, I, I knew if I kept doing that, I would be happy. I didn't yeah. care about the numbers. I didn't care about where it would take off. But as long as I knew I could, I could be happy doing what I wanted to do, for me, that was success. So early years, yes, I knew that part would take place, but I didn't think it would get to the point where we are a staple 
Um, and I say that humbly, like in the community and a part of radio to, to the point now where, you know, me and Heather doing the night show at Real 92. I don't think I quite saw it early on like that. I knew I would have some kind of involvement in radio, but I didn't realize it would be to this degree, certainly with our own brand, the way we're doing it right now. So it's been, you know, it's been a blessing for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've only witnessed Homegrown since I think about probably five years now, but to know that you've been doing this since like way back, like I wanted to admit, 2010 you started or 2009? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it started, Homegrown Radio started on like the campus of Long Beach State. And okay. the reason why I started it was because through my internship with the beat, part of the, the promotions department, I would go out on the streets and artists would give me their music. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm bright eyed, but you tell, I didn't know it was not like, yeah, I'll give it to the DJs up there. So I would come back with these, you know, you know, you know, the promotional buckets, the, the, the stuff with all the, the items in there that, that you're passing out. Right. So right. I would come back to the station with the leftover flyers and things that they didn't give away, but also with music of different artists that would, would give it to us. Right. Uh -huh. So, I would give it to the DJs and I would come back and realize that they would just put them back in the buckets and it was like a stack of CDs that were just still there. I'm like, so nobody's listening to this. Okay. All right. Now nah, I got a college show, so I'll play this music. And one of the artists that gave me that music at one point, as I was leaving the radio station one day, and this is all timing and everything. Right. Um, they had just had a meeting with the music coordinator, the army Tawala Sharp. And they were coming down the elevator as I was, I think I was leaving an event or coming from an event. I forgot what it was. And they were like, oh, man, uh, you know, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'll do a promotions. Oh, okay. What's your name? Chuck. All right. Well, yeah, we just had a, a meeting. Uh, can, you, can you take my demo or take my time? Like, yeah, sure. All right. All right. Oh, nice to meet you, J-Rock. J nice to meet you. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice to meet you, uh, Punch. All right. B-Dog. B B-Dog. Cool, cool. All right. Top. What's up? Uh, Do-Dog. It's the name Do-Dog at the time. Or it still is. But so all these people end up being Top Dog Entertainment. Right. And that was my introduction to them back in 2006, 2007, uh -huh. while I was doing my show at Long Beach State. So when they tell me, hey, OK, yeah, we you did an interview with J-Rod, but we have some other cats. Can we bring them up? It's a dude named uh, K-Dot, little homie named Ab Soul. He's from, you from Carson, right? Yeah, from Carson. Yeah, he's from Carson, too. Oh, yeah, bring him up. So it was like fostering these relationships and showing love and helping tell people's stories at these times when they weren't really getting a shine like that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So yeah. for me, that was my definition <clears throat> of success. Like I was able to do that. So when I see a J-Rock get, get played on the radio, you know what I'm saying? Before Kendrick and excuse me, K-Dot at the time, right. K-Dot opened up for J-Rock on this tour after J-Rock got signed and then with, with J-Rock's situation with Warner Brothers and then Kendrick's ascension in hip hop, like I was a part of that story. So I, I just, I take, I take, um, I take part of that journey. You know what I'm saying? I, and I, I love seeing that. that. Yeah. And, and I love seeing that, you know, and, and that was, um, you know, that's, that was a pride, that was a proud moment that I had to, to really be a part of that. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a great time, you know? So beautiful. What's one of your favorite um, interviews from, from Homegrown back in the past? Because I remember you mentioning that you were doing a lot of these shows, even in your apartment. I would say, obviously, I would, and I hate to be cliche with it, but the one interview that always sticks out is, again, around the transition when I left Long Beach State and started doing it in the apartment. The first show that we did was TDE, Black Hippie. They were all there. 
You know what I'm saying? There's a whole crew. I think everybody but Top was there in in the living room. And this is when Tasha, you know, she's kind of introduced to cooking. She just happened to be cooking that night. She's like, oh, you're going to have to? All right, someone just make some food, make sure everybody's settled and all. And and shout out to her for always creating a a dope-ass environment and kind of like really helping break the ice. Because, you know, these people coming to our apartment, they have no idea who we are like that, right? Mm -hmm. And you coming to somebody's. Who they are. And I have no idea who they are, right? risky yeah and and granted and i had a i had a decent relationship with them so they're a little bit different but just in general that that's just kind of like the lay of the land but their specific uh that interview was was special because for one that was the first time we had saw them all together right as as black hippie before it was named black hippie and it was the same the same time that kendrick was telling us about he's going to change his name from k dot to kendrick lamar and he was like man just this EP that I'm working on, it's my introduction, it's the setup for everything. So that that one stands out for sure. Um, there was another interview I didn't, we never, I don't think we ever released, but it was right around the time that Freeway Ricky Ross had just gotten out of jail. Uh-huh. And he pulled up to the apartment and he was just a, a great human being, but that was good because it was one of those like, oh shit moments. Like, this is somebody we've heard about, you know, you know, in, in, in LA for years and he had just gotten out of jail and he wanted to come through to the apartment. So it was like, okay, we're making strides and, and people want to be a part of our movement and they're allowing us to help them tell their stories. Um, trying to think there, there's another one that, that took place years later when we were on market street, uh, but a guy by the name of uh, Rico love Rico and love, okay. man, he just dropped so many gems, man. So I, and I just like that interview because of, how inspirational it was. So, I mean, I've had so many, but just for different reasons, for sure. Right. And Market Street is actually when I had first met you guys, was it? You were already on Market Street, but then I yeah. had an intern at that time at the radio station. So, even then, just being there, watching you guys do your thing and that little setup was just amazing. And I like how you mentioned, too, just being able to help people tell their stories because I don't think people understand, like, how long hours or days people stay on these streets hanging out their demos like and no one's listening to them it takes so much courage and so much work people to do that so the yeah. fact that you open those doors like hey they don't want to listen i will and i can yeah. tell you the truth if it's good or not you know just to give them that platform it just really it just really does something really good for the community hands down yeah and and to be to be per- perfectly honest and not to 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 rag on the djs that didn't listen to it but you know and only because i know it I, I, I'm on the other side of it now. There's a lot of music out there. There's a lot of artists, both qualified and not qualified, right? Uh-huh. There's a lot of music that's being pushed out there. So it's, it's hard. It really is hard to press play on every single person and give feedback to every single person. So for us at that time, we were, we were able to find our own niche for specific artists in LA. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it, and it worked out at that time, which is great. Things have expanded and, and there's new ways to get people's music out there from, you know, social media, email, all that. So it's, it, you, I guess my advice to the artists is figure a way to stand out and help tell your story. Because if you do that and make it easier for me to buy into what you got, and when I say buy in, I mean like authentically, not on some fluff shit. Like figure a way that, that you're going to make a connection to myself or any other radio person out or anybody that has a brand that can help you get your story out there, do your research and figure a way how you can navigate and tell that story to the person that you want to press play on your music, because it's going to work out for you in the long run. At the very least, you're going to make a connection with somebody and network that 
it may work out for you down the line versus, hey, just play my song. Hey, hey just put my video up on your blog or, you know, however, whatever platform you got, don't, don't be so in a rush to get people to listen to it, but really like listen. I don't know. It, it's, it, if I, there's different strategies that people can do to really like have people pay attention. I hear exactly what you're saying. It's more so about the connection more than anything about just playing my song. Just put it on the radio. Like, but what are you, how do you resonate with that? There's been plenty of artists, and I'll be on record to say that I'm not necessarily a fan of the music sonically sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I fuck with the person. And mm-hmm. for me, that makes more of a, that, that, that helps me champion that song or that album or that video that you got. I, I'll be quick to be like, yo, man, look, you may or may not like it, but yo, it got a story to tell. Listen to this part. Oh, he reminds you of this person, or this is why I think it'll connect to you in this way. That doesn't mean I'm going to sit there and press play on your song hella times, but there was something about you that resonated with me to, to be able to present that to my audience. And I think that's what it's about. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to get into some, some little, little more uncomfortable conversations. Ooh. Now, what many people don't know is um, the hard work that goes into play when it comes to just really shoving and pushing for your dreams. Um, what were some sacrifices that you took in your life to pursue your career that others may think, oh, you're crazy for that one? I mean, financially, for one, it was like we weren't making any money. We, we still, to this day, homegrown is not, we're still in the red, meaning that we haven't made money, our money back off the investment. Now, brand-wise... Wow. Of course. Yeah, it's now it makes sense because, you know, we're, we're, we're um, currently the nice show in Los Angeles. You know, the, the homegrown brand has expanded. But early on, nobody saw that. It, it, we spent a lot of money as far as equipment, um, as far as sacrificing time. I mean, we talk about homegrown was in my apartment. So essentially sacrificing my relationship um, with my now wife, you know, at the time it was my girlfriend and I didn't know how that was going to play out because, you know, it sounds cool, you know, that, Oh yeah, we're going to do this, do this. But now you're entering people into your personal space. And for somebody that's a pride, like my wife is very private and we balance each other out in that way where I'm kind of up, she's kind of low key. And when I'm low key, she knows how to kind of like bring it up. Right. So we sacrificed that, that, that for me, that was an early sacrifice. Like, okay. When, when stuff goes down, there was only one or two incidents that we had at the at the apartment when things like that happen, it's like you kind of have to reassess. Like, okay, am I going to stop altogether? Am I going to keep on going? All right, we're going to have to have this conversation. So those were uncomfortable conversations we had to have, had to have at the time. Like, you know what I love to do. This is a long-term thing. Um, and we had to kind of deal with it in, in those moments, right? Um, you know, uh, people don't know. I mean, people internally know. Like, I've gotten fired from stations because of supporting artists. You know, I've gotten a lot of trouble for supporting artists before. And, and that's a, it's a conversation that I have people with people personally. It's not for me to kind of like brag about and say, hi, Hey, I did this. But right. a lot of people, when it comes to like playing, playing music or supporting artists, they look at radio personalities or they look at people in general and say, Oh, well, you're not doing enough. It's like, well, no, you actually don't know what we're doing on the back end. No, anything not even like an ounce of it <laughs> and it's and it's not our job to to profess that right for right, me right. me that's personally it's not my job to say hey look at what i did this is x y and z look i have the receipts and it's not it's not about that because for me it was all about the love and telling people's story yeah. so i've sacrificed my job on numerous occasions right um and i mean that those are those are the things that i can think of off top but it's it's financially you relate you you risk relationships i mean 
these are the things that just come with the territory and you sacrifice your time the most important asset there is like nobody knows like how this is going to pay off down the line right yeah it could it could have all went down a drain you know years ago and to you know thankfully we have something to show for it but initially it was like we're doing this off of a dream you know we're doing this off of the love and sometimes that doesn't always play out in the financial sense or yeah. the, the bigger play so those were those were the uncom- and, and even like conversation that i have to support a family you know you got to think of the people that's not a part of your immediate circle when i say that i mean my mom may love what i do and she supports me but i know she's probably getting stuff from you know other relatives and saying like hey he's still doing that radio thing like yeah. oh, i remember he was doing it in high school and i remember he was doing it he's still doing that and that the the how that weighs on her when she's she's proud of me but when there's nothing to show for it you know i know that has to weigh on her and she'll she'll never say that but i mean we've had uncomfortable conversations of like yo is this is this what you want to do like are yeah. you sure about this are you all are you in sure yeah. are you all in yeah. because you know i just, i'm not familiar with this this industry my mom is one of the most the smartest people that i know right mm-hmm. and we i think i've mentioned this on the podcast we had that conversation she was just like this isn't my world. I know, you know, I know marketing. I know, you know, um, management. Like, I know these trades. Some of these things can kind of bleed off into what you're doing, but I don't know the entertainment industry. Is Are you sure? And, I, and more importantly, I can't help. Like, I can't, you know, our, our job as parents is to help our kids. Right, and to like, support, and they can't, yeah, I can't do that. But she wanted to do it. She wanted to support financially. She wanted to support with her relationships. She's like, I, I, I don't know how... What can I do? There's nothing you can do. Just be there. Just be there for me. That's yeah. that's all I care. That's all I care about. And 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 in the long run, it ended up working out because her and my obviously the family were supportive. Like, but I guess I'm saying all that to say is the stuff that they have to deal with that I may not even see. You know what I'm saying? Like other relatives or other family friends that are probably giving her stuff because I'm not where I should be at the time. So, I mean, you deal with all those things, certain things you, you met with immediately, some things you hear about down the line. It's, it's, it's wild, but those are the things that you deal with along this journey. Now, throughout your journey, was there any times that you second guessed yourself to where you were like on the verge of getting up? Like, you know what? I'm just not going to do this anymore. I don't think it got, it never got to the point where I, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore, okay. but I definitely questioned it multiple times. I, I still question it from the time. I'm like, damn, am I, Am I making the right move or was this the right thing to do? I always, I think I always, I'm always a person that questions stuff like that. I've gotten out of the, the mindset of worrying, but I still question it. I'm like, damn, was that the best thing? Could I have done it differently? Uh-huh. Um, earlier days, it was more of like, oh, what am I going to do? Like it, it was, a, I think I dwelled on it a little more than I probably should have, but I've been fortunate enough to kind of see like, the trajectory of my career, it's never taken a downward slope. I've had moments that didn't really go up for some time, but I've, for me personally, I haven't seen where I took a seat back. Okay. I'm just like, okay, well, if I can look at it from that sense, it's always going up. So for me, I'm always winning. You know, there's, there's, there's a reason why I've been on three radio stations in, in the top, the number two market. There's a reason for it. I don't know what it is. Maybe I can't. I don't know. God has something in store. God has something planned. And you already know, like from, from yeah. working at iHeart, you know the inner workings, right? So 
you were you were there when we first got on air. Uh-huh. And then the time slots changed. Yeah. So in those times you question like, am I doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing? Am I, am I operating the right way? Am I okay? So you question those moments, but it's like, all right, keep your head down, keep working, just keep doing what you love to do. Find, find your North Star of why you're doing this. And for me, it was to tell people stories, to just enjoy what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, and to be an example for other people, right? Because although I'm going through all this, somebody may see it and say, damn, I remember Chuck at Long Beach State. Yeah, I remember Chuck back when he was saying that yeah. he wanted to do this. Yeah. And now look at him. So, I mean, I get those kind of DMs and those calls from, like, old homies of mine. But they're like, man, I, dude, I remember when at Long Beach State. I remember, I remember you being at K-Beach. And I'm, we're, we're walking by, going to an event, and you, you're doing your show. Yeah. I remember yeah. – waving at you and you shouting us out on the way or I remember listening to you in the dorms and now to hear you when I'm driving around with my kid is crazy so for me that's the shit that gives me fuel that's the that's that's what gives me chills that's what gives me motivation it's like okay it's something happening and clearly I'm just a vessel for whatever God has planned of course it's benefiting me but Absolutely. it's it's helping somebody else out they can actually see the journey too you know mm-hmm. And in addition to that, when you're mentioning like that kind of just gives you more energy to keep on going. Um, how else do you bounce that from like negative thoughts like that? What else do you keep doing? Just like keep your momentum going. I remember the times that I'm the happiest. Um, and that's either through good interviews. That's either because, you know, you had those moments you're like, damn, I knocked that out. That was a really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was good. That was I, dope. Felt that one. Oh, yeah. I, I felt that one. Oh, damn, I asked the right questions. It was perfect. Like, so I, mm-hmm. I go, I, I, I just north started that. I go to the, the times that I'm the happiest. Like, damn, I remember when, you know, when we did the, for the first real show in Inglewood, right? Oh, at the oh, forum. That, one. that was Man. so fun. Oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. That was special, right? It was a special yeah. moment, right? It was the first the first real show for Real 92.3, for, mm-hmm. paint the picture for people that don't know, is the is a radio station that came out of nowhere, right? Uh-huh. Came out of nowhere in Los Angeles, and they, 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 they bring Homegrown a part of it, right? Myself, DJ Head. And then the first, the very first show that they have, and, and for people that understand the, the radio world, they, it was like the summer jam of... <laughs> Our, our, our radio station at the time, the very yeah. first one, right? And they give us a goddamn stage on the outside of the forum. Now, again, I'm big on signs, right? Homegrown started when we did the, when we had, the, my apartment was in Inglewood, which means we were literally down the street from where we broadcasted from in Inglewood. So it's like the imagery of that, it's like we're outside of the forum. First of all, that stage was big as hell. Shout out to Iron. By the way, yes, Ooh. it was huge. That stage was huge. When I walked up, I was like, dang, all of this? Wow. Huge. Oh my gosh. So, so I'm I'm looking I so I go to that. I, I go and then for it to be a successful event, for, for people to have a great time, for the, the, the you know, big boy to come out there, embrace us, like all those things. I go to that. Whenever I'm having like the oh man, is this worth it? Or what's going on? Like, damn, I had a bad interview or damn, I could have asked this or this person re- wasn't really receptive or damn, I'm not getting this or we can't do that. Call that because that's not important right now. What's yeah. important is what makes you happy, right? And that, and that can apply to anything. That can, it doesn't have to be the big events. It can be, damn, man, I'm so glad my wife supports me. 
damn, I'm so glad my family like really loves what I'm doing. They're not nagging me about where's my career going. So I go, I go there. Like I go to the stuff that I could immediately like, I I remember, and I always bank those memories. Anytime I have a great, like conversation like this, I'm like, oh man, me and Jack, like, I know, I know your journey. I know your story. So I'll bank those, those things. Like, I know it's going to be inspirational for somebody that's watching this. You know, some part of this interview, somebody's gonna be like, damn, that's dope. Or I didn't know that. Right. So I, I, I try to like compartmentalize those moments and use that as like, it's like a storing bank. Like whenever I'm running low, I'm like, okay, let me, let me reach in that motivation bag. (laughs) Let me remember the, the homegrown stage. Let me remember us being on real. Let me remember, damn, that great interview I did. Let me remember uh, somebody reaching out to me to want to do an interview because they're inspired or, you know, my family support. And so I always go tap into that bag because it's super accessible and it makes me feel good, you know? Okay. And you know what? I actually have something very similar to that. I have like a little jar. It's called gratitude on it. And I have a different little things in there, little notes to keep me, you know, in this mindset of being gratitude. I mean, being grateful, excuse me. So it's like any now and then, I have those moments, I'll just pull out the little note and just read it. I'm like, okay, that's something to be grateful for. Because people don't understand that's the biggest hack right there. That's is. a huge hack because if you can just get your mindset back into, oh, okay, grateful, being happy, that can shift your whole, literally shift your whole day. And that's exactly. why they tell you to do that in the early part of the day so it can, like, you know, you know, have the trajectory of your day. Not everybody knows how to do it, but, and even I struggle with it sometimes, but I've noticed that. Whenever I tap into that, like something as simple as I, 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 when I remember and I notice that most of the times when I do it, it happens. Whenever I go into like this really this this mode of before an interview, I'm like, this is going to be the best interview ever. Mm-hmm. This is this this interview. And I'm not talking about breaking records and numbers and stuff like that. But this is it's going to if it does that great. But I'm going to feel good about this interview or I'm going to feel good about this show or this conversation I have, or this, this meeting, whatever. Whenever I do that, I notice that in more cases than not, it ends up going in a way like, damn, that was actually all right. Cool. Like that was it. It, it worked out like, and right. I, you know, I end up being happy about it. Because you already put your mindset into that before going into it. Absolutely. Exactly. And by the way, you often post a lot of inspirational quotes on your Instagram, which are, to me, you're always right on time. Um, there was one in particular that you had shared not too long ago. It said, just because you aren't making progress fast doesn't mean you aren't making any progress. And then in your caption, you also included the story of my life. Can you elaborate that? I mean, j- I mean what did you say? A second ago, you were like, you know, homegrown started 10, I think 15. But like this, I started my journey in 2001. Here I am, t- 2021. It's 20 years. I'm now finally a full-time full-time personality which means this is my 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 career right i've always been doing it as a job always been doing it as a hobby but now it's a career it took 20 years to get to where i'm at right now which means it's gonna take time i've i've known people that it's it's happened faster and in in the journey it kind of throws you off you're like damn what's what's that uh line that think kanye and kendrick had it's like damn b is that much better than me? Like you think about that in your journey, yeah. but you can't let that like distract you. Distract you. Mm-hmm. So I know for me and my journey and, and what I'm doing, it it's right on time for myself. So when I say that, that's 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 literally the story of my life, you know? And who knows where it's gonna go in the next five or the next 10 years. I would hope that it continues to go on a upward trajectory. Almost Absolutely. messed that word it up. It will. And but if it if it goes different places or if it's stagnant, what I'm ready for that. I'm o- I'm okay with it because I know it's a part of the bigger journey. Like 
and it's a part of the lesson but it takes time that's that's my whole point it takes time and a lot of people are are so fixated on getting something quick and it doesn't doesn't necessarily happen like that um and you can't give up on your dreams when it doesn't work out right away mm-hmm. you know i've seen people get so close i've known talented people inside music outside of music that just because it didn't work out in 365 days they were like ah, on to the next thing i've known radio personalities that started you know, podcasts or, you know, started TV shows or, you know, whatever that just gave up because the numbers didn't look good for them or it was just uncomfortable. I'm like, damn, I, that's, I can't, I don't, I don't relate to that. I, I relate to the, to the slow journey, you know, mm-hmm. long, and, and like I said, as long as it's progress, I'm cool. You're still making it. And yeah, now that I think about it, cause I actually didn't know this was like the very first year you were full time. I thought you had a full time slot before at K day in the past, but I didn't know this is your first time you're full time. First so time. Yes, think about it from 20 years, you've 20 always been making progress, years. even in like the midst of just like, you know, some of the uncomfortable times, like you were still moving. 20 years, yeah. man. And, and to, to say that out loud is like a trip to even think about, but yeah, it's, it, but that's, that's where my mindset at, was at when I posted that it's anytime I see stories about taking, taking longer than you expect or, slow journey that's why i resonate with with um with nipsey the marathon continues and his philosophy with that you know because it's like i i've i saw his journey i i remember there's footage of me interviewing nipsey back in 2008 or 2009 when bullets ain't got no name value three came out right and to see his journey and, and you know his career take off for where it was and him be the global icon that he is you know it 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 just that that messaging resonates with me so much so it's like that's what i try to project and those posts that i put up there are obviously for motivation but they're for like reminders for me like again like you said when you when you had those moments i, psh, I can go down the timeline now I, I can go off of memory but now i have something tangible that i can look up and be like yeah. all right boom okay all right here we go mm-hmm. reset let's go even like um going on your old like phone on your own like uh, hard drives looking at that stuff too it's just like it reminds like okay Sometimes you have to get that spark back, you know, to remember like why you started it in the first place. And it really just like hits you right on time. That's why I love uh, the memories on like Facebook and, yes. and Instagram and stuff. Cause it shows you like, damn, I was doing that. Like, Oh, that's crazy. Or, oh, we like, I, I'll get stuff on Facebook <laughs> that says going live homegrownradio.net. We got schoolboy Q in the house tonight. I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, that's crazy. Chuck, have you ever thought about um, writing your own daily devotionals? No, I haven't thought about it. No, I haven't. It's not been in the forefront of my mind. Okay. Think about that. Just I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I think that, I, again, I feel that social media does it in a way where I can get it off now. But you're right. I mean, there's there's different ways to translate that message. So I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I'm just saying, because, you know, we all, I think, I was sorry to tell, obviously, but mm-hmm. we all are um, going to write a book one day, I'm pretty sure. Our life is a book. So I don't know, I'm just to think about. I think you can have an amazing devotional and you could have, like, at the bottom of it, you know, something that related to that quote or, like, why you said it. And that would be cool. I don't know. So if I do, I'll, I'll give you credit. I'm be like, hey, right. I was on a BU podcast, Jazzy told me. <laughs> I, de- I honestly never thought about it until, until you just mentioned it. I think that would be cool. Where do you think you get your resilience from, Chuck? My mom. Okay. My mom. I've seen my mom. She's, she's somebody that's um, 
She's from Tallulah, Louisiana, which is a small, small city uh, in the South, obviously, Louisiana. And her story and her journey is somebody that's always just overcame. You, we, talk, we talk about civil rights and, and that, right? She's birthed from that. You know, somebody her, whose mom died at the age of 15. She had to move to Las Vegas to live with her sisters and her brothers. And she just has a crazy story, a crazy in a, in a great way because it shows like, oh, anything is possible, right? My dad, same thing. He was one of like 13, I want to say, kids. And my dad was a knucklehead. That was a straight knucklehead. So for him to t- turn over his life and end up uh, prior to passing, become a become a, a pastor, right? Yeah. And help run my my uncle's church at the time. Like so, to see him transform his life, being from literally one side to the next. Like I don't know my dad as the 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 pat. They called him Rico back in the day. I don't know him as Rico. Rico. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him as Rico. I know, yeah, I don't know who he is. But every time, oh, yeah, that's Rico's son. Oh, oh Rico. Blah, blah. So they, they talk about my dad in the sense of like, yo, he turned over his life. So I think a combination of both of them, I just get that. That's that's me, 100%. Like, the, I even go back and like look at old pictures and stuff of my dad and just kind of go back on like memories before he passed. And like, oh, like the the quiet side of me, the the introverted side of me that a lot of people may or may not, pick up on I get it from him like okay. my dad was never the the loud person he was always just in the cut my mom she was the one that was turned up she was the life of the party she was always the one dancing and turning you know doing that but you know it, it, it I, I get my personality from both of them and I, and I think that's that's where it stems from just seeing that growing up yeah you definitely have like a split personality when you describe it that way because i have seen the introverted side of you but i also seem like the big personality side of you too so i could see like a split image that you share with them both that's awesome um shout out to tasha because she is a real mvp yes tasha's an mvp how do you balance family life with your career um by 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 first i say you know shout out to my wife she's an amazing person amazing individual and keeps me going keeps me grounded but i think a lot of that again stems from my parents because i i grew up in a broken home they divorced when i was eight so for me growing up in that environment like always knew whenever i got a wife first they would have to support what i'm doing like it this this is again we i'm playing long term i knew this from jump so without even having to have those conversations, she had all those qualifications. And I knew early on, I'm like, I'll know. And I was always told people this, like, I'll know my wife when I see her. I'll, I'll know it. Like, I'll know it. And after our first date, I, I told her, I'm like, I'm gonna marry you. She's like, what? I'm like, I know it sounds crazy, but I know you, you have all these things you checked off, like already uh-huh. within our first date. So for me, it's easy to balance it because our, 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 our characteristics are the same, but they make up for each other where others lack. Again, like okay. I said earlier, when I'm turned up sometimes, she's, but eh. I'm super friendly. <laughs> she's like, hey man, watch out. Like, I'm a little hold up, like, but just be on the lookout for that. And in times where I'm just kind of like, uh, she's like, I don't give it a shot. Like, like she's, she's a big, she's a big reason why I take risks a lot. Oh, that's awesome. She's the type of person that's just like, fuck it, let's just do it. I'm like, nah, no, don't think about it. Just do it. Oh so and and I help balance her out when 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 it comes to her spontaneity. So it's like we we help balance each other out so much, and I think that that allows us to fully become ourselves. But at the same time, like 
make up where the lack is on each side. So for me, it's, I, I, and I'm sure she would say the same thing. It's easy. Like we don't really, I don't, and I don't want to paint this picture of like a perfect relationship, but we don't really have arguments like that. Like we have discussions. We, we, there's been times where we, you know, we've, we've had arguments like that, but it's, it's not like it. You can't have a relationship without having that. But I think we do a good job as far as we over communicate. So we know like, Hey, when I'm not in the mood to talk, let's yeah. cut it off for a little bit. And then we'll come to the table when we both can actually contribute something versus saying something that's super mean spirited or hurtful or whatever. Cause we, we've seen it growing up. Like she comes from a broken home as well. So she's seen that I've seen that. So we make sure that we're not going to do that, you know? Right. So for, and, and, and the fact that she's an entrepreneur herself, um, I think earlier on when we got together, you know, I knew she had a passion for food and some of the conversations that I had with her early on, I was like, yo, just go for it. Like she, she's spontaneous when it comes to like shopping. She's spontaneous when it comes to like going out, taking trips and stuff and the social (laughs) stuff. And I have to kind of reel her back in sometimes, but that allows us, that allows me to kind of step out and live more. But then I'm more, I'm more of the, um, yo, Go out for your dream. Like, go. Don't, you don't want to be doing your job. You don't want to be sitting at a desk like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. But if you don't want to do that, let's find another way. Mm-hmm. And she took some of those words that I gave her early on. And she, you know, she's been taking off for her business. So I love seeing her when she's taking off. And I love the fact that I can implement her in with, you know, when I can with the entertainment business as far as events. And I mean, you've seen the whole nine. So yeah. um, I think that's where that balance comes from. We both have an understanding of our, our lifestyles and personality traits and we kind of know how to maneuver and you also said the key word over communicate communication is a huge deal and so the fact that you guys have that organically like you know i can understand how it just works i think that's the saving grace of our relationship to be perfectly honest if anybody if there's a if there's a gem i can give to anybody in terms of like relationships you gotta communicate you gotta over communicate because you can't expect somebody to know how you're feeling in the moment especially when things aren't great yeah. things are great it's easy to oh yeah baby i love you i love you but when you don't have those i love you baby moments how do you communicate mm-hmm. and for us it's, again it's knowing okay sit back let me i'm gonna give you a day i'm gonna give you some time all right yeah no you was tripping i was tripping yeah you're right okay this is what i was trying to say and and that's literally how we hash out our disputes or arguments so i think it, it makes room for a great balanced environment and you guys also have the cutest cutest one ever <laughs> C three, C three around desk school right now. No, nah, he's actually uh with with Tasha's mom right now. He's, oh, okay. <laughs> dude, man, he lights up our world, man. He's the he he is the personification of like both of us together. Like when I was talking about me and my mom, my mom and my dad, he is the, the he is he embodies so much of my personality and Tasha's personality. It's wild to see. Uh-huh. It, it is absolutely crazy to see. But man, that's the biggest blessing, man. And, and that's another thing that I draw for motivation. I, I literally, I just posted a picture the other day in the studio. I just looked at him. I'm like, this is my son, man. Look at him. And just, I, I love, and that, that helps give me motivation. Cause I do it. For, I honestly, I do it for him because I want him to see and be in an environment, obviously of love and support, but mm-hmm. him seeing like, Oh no, dad is doing what he loves to do. He's having fun. You know, he may work some late hours, but when he comes home, he gonna turn up, or yeah. if we gonna have a good time, we, there's a balanced environment there, man. And I think his his little personality is 
It's a great addition to the family for sure. Personality is beautiful. I mean, I don't, I don't see C three at all, but just like watching on Instagram, I could just feel the energy through the phone. I'm like, this guy. Oh my and gosh. What's crazy is that you know it, it was at a rough time. Like what we're, we're dealing with right now, obviously nobody saw this happening. So this is at a time he should be going to school and kind of at least getting, you know, going to daycare. He doesn't socialize with too many kids. So that was one thing we, we were worried about, like, oh. how is that going to affect him? And we honestly, we still don't know the long-term effects of what we're dealing with, but okay. I'm just glad to see that he, um, when we do go out or whenever we're in public, he's more, he's, he's a, he's a light man. He just, hi, he talks to people. <laughs> He just, he, man, it's just, it's great to see. So for me, that's like, oh, thank God. Like he has that, he has that it factor, that thing. And yeah. I, I, I love to see that. Who's the better cook, him or Tasha? Oh, man. He's going <laughs> to give her a run for her money. I'm not going to lie. So. I think so, too. He, you know, obviously Tasha got a down pack because she's showing him everything. But uh -huh. he, we went grocery shopping the other day and he was like literally just picking his own stuff. Like, yeah, I want that. I want this. Mm, I don't want that. No, I'm going to get, I'm just like, Yo, he's how do you actually know the difference? What do you mean? How do you know that this is the pack of Lunchables that you like and this is the yeah. one that you don't like? Like, the, so I, I think if he goes in this direction, he's going to, he, the thing and it's funny. He loves food and he loves music and those are our worlds. So yeah. it's like, oh my God. So the fact that he's picking up on all this right now is like, I can't wait to see him continue to grow, man. Do you ever have those moments when you're parenting him and you realize that what you're teaching him is what your father taught you? Like, do you have a lot of like kids implementing? Yeah. So my dad, my dad was more stern. Uh -huh. And I find that the times that I, I am stern with him, I get that from my dad for sure. And I, and I, and I, and I think that was the best thing about one of the great things about my, my dad is that he instilled that. All right. Playtime is playtime, but let's get serious. Like, I don't want you acting a fool in public. I don't want you to, to you know, I understand you're a kid, but I remember telling this always, he, there's two things my dad always, that he didn't always say, but the two things that always stuck out, like my earliest memories, I was cutting up somewhere, I forgot. And he told me, hey, don't be a damn clown. Like, and I don't know why that stuck with me. He was like, don't be a damn clown. But he, okay, I, I press preface it with this. He told me one day, he was like, you know, son, you can do anything in life you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. He told me that's at like four or five years old. And I was like, really? So you mean I can be a dog? He was like, son. <laughs> what? He's like, don't be a damn clown. Like, <laughs> so in that moment, it was a, it was a, it was a teachable moment, oh, like a lesson God. of like, yo, you can do anything you want to do, but come on, let's be serious about you know, I, don't be a damn clown, son. That's so, so funny. I, but I, but I always took that with me because it was like the part of like the dreamer, uh -huh. but then also the part of like, all right, there's a reality check. Like these are the things you have to you have to do. So I think the times that I do get get on when it turns in terms of like discipline, I get that from my father for sure. Mm. Chuck, what is your self care routine? How you take care of your mental health as well? I've been really trying to meditate as of lately i go off and on with that I, i'll be perfectly honest i'm not as great as i should be but i do <clears throat> overcompensate with prayer like prayer is my i can um, pray before i start this interview pray before i after i'm done pray on the way to work <clears throat> pray on the way back and just being grateful like 
again, that's how I kind of stay grounded. Um, and so when things aren't aren't in the the best moments, I'm like, all right. And I and I, I think I understand that those moments aren't temp are are temporary. They don't last. Right. So, and I and I'm always in the moments that like when I when I feel better, I'm like, okay, let's get back to this. Like, because this month we we all go through it. We have ups and downs. So there's moments we're like, oh my god, what's going on? And then there's moments we're like, I could do anything. Mm-hmm. So. I, I try to like maximize and stretch those moments if I can do anything and minimize those moments of like, damn, like what the hell's going on? Or or understanding those moments like, okay, this is gonna pass. It's just a moment that you're having. And just being clear about that in your own mind, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation or whatever for me, that's that's worked the best for me throughout the whole years. I I I see myself as a bit of a, an optimistic person, right? And when people present ideas or things that are negative. I always just try to find something positive out of it. Even if it's not the solution, I just try to find something positive just so I can just drop that little seed. Yep. You know what I'm saying? For them, for them and for myself, just to say, well, damn, if I ever go through that, I got to eat my words too and say, okay, well, here's the positive thing about whatever the situation is, you know? So for me, I think that that's helped out the best over the years is just kind of being in those moments, um, being present of, you know, the positive moments in, in any situation. Now, also, um, this year, I think in September, actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to be five years of your oh, yeah. Season, right? Yeah, man. Five, wow. Five years since I stopped drinking. Crazy. I want to cut that out. I, you know, I got to give credit to Head, man, to be perfectly honest. He was the one that kind of like pushed it over the board for me. Like I knew, I knew I had a problem <clears throat> or I knew it was, it was going to be an issue. We one thing that I didn't mention, you, you asked me earlier about one of those like like one of those bad moments, right? And one of those, one of my, my lowest points was when I got a DUI. This okay. this is like ironically around the time I was working for K Day. And that was just like it was it, it was a moment that had to it sat me down. Obviously, you had to go through the whole notions of uh, just the DUI process is not a fun process for anybody out there. It's, it's not worth it. <laughs> Tell you now. I don't want to experience that. It's not worth it. That So fast forward, I knew that if I continue to go on that path, yeah. everything that I worked for, and by reminder of head, head reminded me, he was like, yo, everything that you worked for, everything that we got to this moment, like we just got hired at real, like, yo, everything that you worked for, that you busted your ass for, before meeting me and after, you know, and everybody's a part of the homegrown, like, you're subject to lose all that. And when I, I'm not even, he's like, I'm not even getting into the family. This is just career-wise. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was like, okay, I, I just had to, I had to level myself. I'm like, is it, wor- is it worth losing over one sip? And I had to be that generic. I'm like, I had to, I had to be that specific, excuse me. I was like, is homegrown, it's my relationship, you know, potentially starting a family career all this stuff. is it worth is it literally worth one sip uh-huh. of whatever is it worth the shot it like that that moment that you feel good and I, I went through the, the extremes of like damn but no i'm social with it and it helps me with my interview i went through all the the stuff that the excuses that i made right and the, the answer was no it's it's not worth it so I had to level with myself at that moment, but I, I, I give props to Head because he was the one that kind of presented. He pulled up, he I don't think I ever told this. So he pulled up on me on a day where I was just at home chilling, right? Uh-huh. Night before, I'm just drinking and 
you know, he experienced that. And he was just like, and he's known me. So it's it, me drinking around here is nothing new. I know he's a sober guy. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything. So that's just our relationship. I, I know I'm the one that turns up. He's the one that doesn't. That's, that's what makes our relationship work. That's the yin and right. the yang. Right. But that particular night was different. He pulled up on me the next day and head doesn't stay close to me. Right. So he pulled up out of nowhere. And I'm like, what you doing here? <laughs> hey man, what's up? What mean, what's up? What's the problem? Like, well, why, why are you doing this? And I, I, we had a one-on-one as to me drinking. I had to peel back some layers. I'm like, oh, this is why. Oh, it's that. Oh, okay. This is deeper than I even thought. Like, there's some insecurities. There's some things that I got to, like, level with myself about. And once I got to that, I was like, okay. Then when I asked the question, I'm like, it's easy to not make an excuse at that point. Like right. it's easy to say, cause before I would, I would cover it up with, nah, this is the career. This is the entertainment business. This is what we do. And man, some of my best interviews, I had the beer with me. I had the drink with me. We was turning up in the house. You remember? It's like, yeah, but is it, is it worth losing all that? Like you can do all that, but is it worth losing all that over? Mm-hmm. Damn. Nah, it's not, it's not worth losing. It's not worth you know, potentially taking somebody's life. It's not yeah. worth taking my own. I thought about all that. And like, it, it got super uncomfortable. And from that moment on, I was like, all right, I'm done. And I didn't know how long I was going to stop. I just knew from that day forward, I'm just going to take it one day at a time. And for me, that's been the biggest thing. I didn't set out to say I'm done drinking forever. I was like, I'm, I'm cool. Cause I, I've stopped before, but then when I started back, it got, I went harder. So for me, that was a that was a telltale sign of like, oh no, you just can't kick back because you're just gonna revert and go back harder. So right. let's just not even play this game with yourself. Let's let's nip this in the bud right now. So for me, that it, it, it worked. And I think that's another thing that I got from my dad. He was a person that smoked for years, and he just quit cold turkey, just stop, stop smoking. Just one day was like, oh yeah, I'm done with nicotine. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I've never known my dad to smoke. Mm-hmm. My, my mom told me or my forgot who my family told me i was like damn that's so i know i have that discipline in me but i just had to tap into it so now i figured out what it was and 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 it, it's a good lesson because now i know i can apply it to anything i just have to connect those dots yeah. i think for, for career-wise it helped out with that as well as like yo i have to stay on the mission this is what i want to do so I've, I've been able to connect the dots on multiple things in my life that's good. And I like how you said all you did was just kind of shift your mindset. That's a powerful thing. Like it's all it takes is just the mindset to like really switch off to make the decision and just do it. And, and let, let me, let me, I'm going to give somebody something tangible too. Like for me, I had to write it down I, in my phone. I was like, okay, what do I, I literally said, what do I have to lose? Family, relationship with Tasha, career, everybody at homegrown, money, possible DUI, life. Wow. And I just wrote down all the stuff and I looked at it daily. Yeah. I looked at it daily. I'm like, or anytime I got tempted, I was like, nah, it ain't worth it. So I would like, there'll be times where I'll, I'll be at events. I just get up and leave just because I knew I don't want to be tempted around it. I or I'll, I'll make sure I keep, it's another hack for those that are trying to stop drinking. Get you some ginger ale or get you some soda, get you some Red Bull, the curb it just because a lot of times it's just the idea of just drinking. Drinking something. And that taste too. That taste in your top. I think I think you said ginger ale and also ginger beer, which is also non-alcoholic and it's super good. I feel like that kind of you know it curbs it, man. It it just kicks it. It just it it gets your mind. And I, I used to make fun of my cousin. My cousin 
he stopped he stopped smoking at one point but he would always have like a black and mild he would never light it but he was like man i just gotta i just gotta have something there just to have the idea of doing it and i'm like that's stupid <laughs> i'm like what are you doing that for i didn't understand it until i start stopped drinking i'm like oh that's what he was doing so yeah. whatever works for you works for you some people they some people are fortunate enough to just switch it like just th- think about it switch it some people have to see it some people have to physically be in the be in the uh, environment and turn it down i don't recommend that for people because i don't you just don't know how you don't want to present yourself in that temptation and have to slide back. But I mean, to each his own, everybody has their own ways of, you know, applying that discipline. Right. Right. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. We have more things and I'm going to play a game and we out of here. But, um, so it's been two years since we lost Nipsey Hussle, unfortunately. And like you mentioned earlier, watching his career from the beginning up until now, in what ways have you, would you say that you've applied some of his leadership skills into your life? Um, for one, a good leader knows, excuse me, a good leader knows how to stay on track. And I felt like Nipsey obviously applied that in his life and his career. When we're talking about early days of his first, uh, his first deal when things weren't going right and stayed on track with his mission, even with certain projects, we, we knew Victory Lap was going to be the album. Mm-hmm. working on it for years like we, right. we knew we knew like the marathon we knew all these things were were in the process and being worked on but he had a vision and i think part of being a great leader is having that vision and he, he I, I feel like i, I take that uh, from him um and also I, I apply the strategy of like it's it's dope to be smart like it's it's okay to be smart and and and, and more importantly doing something outside the norm. People think of traditional rappers, they think, yo, yo, I'm saying like, oh yeah, uh, 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 flashy, flashy, this, that, and the third, like all of these stereotypes that we think of rappers. And he didn't, he didn't exhibit that. I mean, of course he had little hints of that here and there, but if you really got a chance to talk to him, have a conversation with him, um, he didn't have that. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't the gloss. That wasn't the thing that just made Nipsey hustle. Um, another sense of knowing where you came from. Like to me, that's so important. Um, And and one thing that I took away from him is like, we, I remember at the all eyes on me screening or a premiere, I forgot what it was. um, It was like a, it was a circus. It was like a media circus. Everybody was trying to get into this thing. And I remember they had like two locations. It was in Westwood somewhere. It was like the theater and excuse me, the theater. And it was another theater, whatever. But I remember going to where the, the media press press was at whatever it was anyway i was walking across the street and i saw nip he was he was going towards the theater and we had to be at least a good 200 feet away it was a long it was a long distance oh i was gonna nip he turned he's like oh chuck what up and he walked like we walked across the street oh something it's been a, a minute since i seen him like, oh, okay you living you good you good all right i just want to say what's up and just kept pushing i'm like damn that's dope like he didn't have to do that yeah. He didn't have to, for one, because it was a lot going on. He didn't have to stop and acknowledge me. Like, and it wasn't about me. It was just the fact that it was just, it was just something in that moment that I super appreciated. And he did the same thing at the station last time. One of the last times I saw him, you know, he's running around last few times, actually. One of the, the last time we actually interviewed him, he had been doing a, a media circus all day. Victory Lab had just been announced. He did big in the morning, did all the shows on across the street, and it's so funny the 
if you go look at it's the he had the I think it's the same sweater anyway he had the same outfit on uh-huh. right and I I see it in like sorry shout, sorry Hard Knock TV they just posted something today and he had the same outfit on so I'm like damn he went there too anyway <laughs> he went all around and did interviews and he came and stopped at Homegrown last and I knew he was tired like if you look at the interview now the Homegrown interview with, with Nip he was beat but the fact that he came back and gave us his time and Gave us some just some gems. Like he just he was he was gracious with his time. I I'll never forget that because he didn't have to do that. Yeah. So it, it reels back into, you know, knowing where you came from. He knew that we had supported him early. You know, this is back when 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 he was trying to get on K Day. I you know took his number down and fostered a relationship with the man and um, did early interviews with them back then. So I say all that to say is like I I try to implement that same strategy of like no matter where I go no matter how I ascend in this in this in our in my career and in life in general I'm never gonna forget where I came from especially the folks that came up with me you know what I'm saying whether we struggled together or whatever I I just never want to lose sight of that so that's another lesson I mean I know I gave you like three or four of them but I mean he 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 really yeah yeah he embodied that man and I think that's why it's such a huge loss to not only hip hop, but just humanity, man. He, he was he was special, and I think when we say the marathon continues, we really try to, you know, implement the the gems that he dropped. And I, I love how now again, this is me thinking positive of such a tra- tragic situation. Mm-hmm. That that situation has allowed people to kind of like now dig into the gems that he's left in his music. Yep. You know, there's there's meme pages dedicated to nipsey quotes right <laughs> that's a lot there's a lot you know a lot of bootleg ones but uh, you know there's some gems and then obviously there's there's a there's a list of books that i guess he had a i don't know if it was a book club or just books that he was reading like yeah. so those are the seeds that i feel like out of his tragic passing those are the, the great things that have happened from that it's like we now get a chance to take that wisdom that energy never dies you know what I'm saying? And that's how the marathon is going to continue if we take that knowledge knowledge and apply it. So absolutely to him. And I like how you also mentioned, too, that he wasn't really like your average rapper when it comes to like all the flossy stuff. Like Nick wasn't into all the material things per se. He didn't push it out there. And also, I want to agree with you, too, how he went out your way. You said at the screening to say hello to you. Yeah. That was Nick all the time. I could tell you a few um times that happened with me too like at the station like he probably didn't know you but he went on his way to respect you and say hello because you matter you know it's not even about anything he was really passionate about what he did it had nothing to do with just you know the flashing and material things so dad vice started because of nipsey also the advice that i do is that same interview with i found out tasha was pregnant and she she was still pregnant at the time and i'm like yo how how do you do i was asking the same question i was like yo how do you balance the family life you know you're nipsey hustle like people respect right. you but you you got you got this deal now like you've you've now ascended to this part of your career where people people are knowing you and you have to you just there's a lot on your plate how do you do that and, and i was asking him as a father like how do you make it happen because you're also on top of all that you're an amazing father how do you do that and he gave me some advice and i'm just like yo, okay and then i took that strategy of dad advice and and man i'm so i'm so honored I got a chance to tell him that he helped me start that you know a couple of weeks before he passed he came to the station and I did another dad vice with him 
and, and asked him again, you know, and, and I asked him some advice that he's applied from his father. So it was, a, it was a full circle moment, man. So it was a lot of, a lot of gems that, you know, we take from, from the late great Nipsey Hussle. Speaking of gems, what is your favorite song or verse from Nipsey? Um, I just posted it today. It's Face the World oh. Um, by... Right. Oh, yeah, matter of fact, you commented until you said that's, that's right. your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Favorite verse, Face the World. Um, I'm, and I'm just going... I have different ones, different days, but <laughs> that one, that, to me, I always draw back on that one. It was produced by Ninth Wonder. Um, and I remember when that song came out, I was just one of my favorites off that project. I'm just like, I always played it back, but then I just, li- like, I listened to that. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not going to say I have a favorite, the first one versus the second. I just, I like that little last part that I quoted, and, and I'll, I'll read it to it right now. Like that, um, and it kind of like just, it, it, it sums up, it sums up kind of everything that we're talking about, too. Yes. And it says, <clears throat> Regardless what you into, regardless what you've been through, I feel like I got to tell you, you got something to contribute. All right. And it just kind of like encompasses everything that we talked about. It's like, no matter what your journey is, no matter what you're going through, ups, downs, whatever, it's like, you still matter. Be you. You Do you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, give yourself to the world. You have something to contribute. And I feel like people can take that from, you know, from the conversations to the music or whatever and apply it and really change the world. Now, I love how the song is called Face the World because that's that's literally how you face the world. Absolutely. That song, for sure, I think, can really get you through some dark times. It helped Bruh. me. Right. The sample, I mean, even, oh, Ninth Wonder killed that. And he just, so and, and it delivered. He delivered, man. So good. All right, before we get out of here, Chuck, it's been great, but I want to play a quick, a quick game for <laughs> All right, what game are we playing? <laughs> nah, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Chuck is the best impersonation <laughs> of me. Can you do it really quick? I'll be like, I'll be like, <laughs> all right, we go. Chuck, Chuck, wait, hold on, Chuck. All right, so we're going to play a game. Chuck. And, then, <laughs> and at some point, you're going to probably snort before the interview is done. Oh, or are you, are you holding it down? You holding yeah. the snort down? <laughs> it's hard. It's so hard to hold it back sometimes. <laughs> I think you're the only person that really makes you snort, like, consecutively, back to back. Uh, <laughs> All right, this is a new segment. It's called Name That Memory. So I'm going to say, I'm going to name a song, and you got to tell me a memory from that song, all right? All right. Okay, so first one, E-40, tell me when to go. Bay Area. Um, it reminds me of college. I think that was literally my last year of college. I, if I can't remember, it, it was either 04 or 05, but I remember a lot of my friends from Long Beach State were from the Bay. So, like, that was just like, oh, Jesus. What? Man. <laughs> I feel like we all thought we were from the Bay at one point in time. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our, that's our up North brothers and sisters yeah. up there. Like we family for sure. Tupac, Hail Mary. Feel me. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I just always think it. You know what? That was a dark time in hip hop, but what? I feel like that was. So for me, I always think of like, wrestling those demons and and really kind of getting out of those dark times it's not more or less dwelling on those moments but like what comes from that so it's like kind of like the, the the phoenix rises from the ashes I, I just get that memory um i think of where i was at when i found out Pac had died and it just me i actually was listening to the beat and heard the news that Pac had died on the way home so like wow. when i tell you like the beat was a, a a big part of my growing up, like 
major events and things it, it it played it was a soundtrack to my life so i'll say 92.3 the beat hail mary okay snoop dog murder was the case oh my god so snoop the doggy style cd and I, that didn't come from doggy style but um the doggy style actually no it did come from doggy style i'm sure that was on the doggy, doggy style, style yeah, yeah. Was, i'm thinking because i'm thinking murder was the case that was an album you know a whole movie in itself that snoop did uh Snoop was one of the first celebrities that I met. Oh, really? And I met him in the the, the 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 Poly Apartments in Long Beach, and I lost my shit when I saw Snoop. This is somebody I I my sister when we're driving. So this is so crazy how the connection happens. When we're driving around, like I was with my sister. She graduated in '92, right? Huh. So she was the the one that was into hip hop. I was introduced to Doggy Style by her. I was sneaking listening to her her tape. Okay. Because we couldn't have, you know, I couldn't play that out loud or whatever. And Snoop was like the hottest shit on on the radio at the time. So again, it, it was like the soundtrack to my life to 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 me growing up. Um, and that that album and that song was that album that song came from that album, and that album would meant like the world to me at the time. That was like one of the first albums that I listened to back to back to back to back to back to back to back. It's a great album. Great album. How can you not listen to it back to back? Man, amazing, amazing. But it was right. scary too. Murder was the case was a scary song too. Yes. Okay. So really quick, um, my mom was like really into Dog Pound, Snoop, Tupac, all that death row. I learned that from my mom. Yeah. And, she, and uh, she would play Murder Was the Case all the time when the video came on. I would run to the room. I get so <laughs> scared. Like every time when Snoop would, would transform into the dog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's, I didn't did his eyes like turn to color. Oh yeah. See, it was just too much for my little. It was wild, man. I remember watching the uh, we had the we had the VHS of that and watching the full video. I was just like, "Yo, this is it's crazy." But uh, this is another okay. Last part. I also <laughs> remember when he was on the run at that time and performed that song at the MTV Awards. Uh-huh. I don't know if you thought of footage of that, but that 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 video or that that performance was so iconic because I just remember at the end he was like. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. And after that, the, the rumor is that right after that is when he got, he, he went on a run for a little bit and he got arrested right after that. And that's when the whole um, case went. Right. The whole charge or whatever. But yeah, man, Snoop was a, Snoop was a big part of my childhood. Jay-Z PSA. Is it bad that I don't have no emotional attachment to it? No, not at all. I I was such a West Coast kid. I was gonna say that you're West Coast. I already know. That's why I had to like kind of throw some some ones out there gonna stub you a little bit. But so. okay, and and let me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Well, not gonna play devil's advocate, but I'm just gonna go from my memory. That was off of the the black album, right? Yes. Okay. Now I did I did like the documentary and okay. the thing that set up. So I do remember the that song. I don't have an attachment to, but I remember that album and. The documentary, I think I paid attention to it later on. I didn't really pay attention in the moment at the time. But, I mean, that was, ironically, and to make it a full circle moment, that's when I started giving Jay-Z his respect. Because I was, I, I, was a, I was West Coast. I was Pac. It was, it was fuck Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? Because Tupac said it, right? But that's how impressionable the hip-hop was to us. Yeah. And, and so, for me, that broke me out of the mold. And it was like, oh, you know, I can have an opinion on my own. Dude is actually nice. So I gave right. him my respect after that. All right. Two more songs. Lil Wayne and Millie. That video was wild. 
that video was crazy because it was like one sequence throughout the whole video and he was doing yeah. hella shit. I'm like, that's wild. And he, the thing that stands out the most about that is that he actually sold a mill of that album that same in one week. So I thought that was like, that was dope, man. Wayne is, Wayne is, Wayne is a phenomenal artist. Wayne is a goat. I don't care yeah. no one's ass. All right. This one is really going to stump you, Chuck. Is it? Yes. Ready? Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. High school. That was like all the everybody played that shit. Come on, man. Every that was my that was my ninth grade year. Really? That was my ninth grade year because you you had what was crazy about that you had something so innocent as that, and that was the same year DMX Rough Riders Anthem came out. Like oh, so it was like yes. two polar opposites. And and I I remember in high school that that remind that reminds me of ninth grade year Saint Anthony High School Long Beach off of 7th uh, and Olive, man. That, or it was a 7th, 6th and Olive, sorry. Yeah. Okay. That reminds me of high school. That was like, yeah. That's funny. Because, you know, no matter where you went, you couldn't escape that song. When yeah, that song come on. Britney <laughs> Spears. It or not, which I did love it. I was Britney Them, NSYNC, Blackstreet Boys, all that yeah. time, man. Come on. You couldn't all escape that. Yep. Uh, uh, this is so amazing, Chuck. Thank you so much. This is man, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, this is a long time coming. I'm glad you are continuing. Be <laughs> you. Come on, keep this going, man. This is your baby. This is your project. And this is the stuff that kind of realigns our purpose and what we want to do. So when people ask me, like, what is that keeps you going? Is being able to be a part of platforms like this because I know how much, how, how important it is for you. So yeah, continue, continue, continue so success. Much, Thank you. And everyone listening right now, if you haven't already been following Chuck, please do that at Chuck Dizzle on all social media platforms. One day he's going to write devotional. I said it first. <laughs> I'm going to write you. I'm going to write you in there and say, yo, this book is dedicated to jazz. She told me on the BU podcast to get this shit started. So thank yeah. you. Oh, I'm gonna give you an applause. oh Lord. Give you, give you an applause for the, um, for the snort. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Awesome. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm leaving you alone.